course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And uh, look, man, we're a week away from, or less than a week away from the NFL scouting combine. Um, and, uh, you know, the offseason you know, just keeps chugging along here. Um, I guess we'll start with Eric Bieniemy. Um, you know, reports started surfacing Thursday that um, he would be back for a fifth season of his offensive coordinator after missing out on the, the Denver and New Orleans head coaching jobs during the offseason. Um, just what's your reaction to that? I know, you know, we've talked, and if you want to go back and revisit the conversations about um, why he hasn't gotten head coaching opportunities or, or why he and the chiefs may need to split if that's going to happen for him. Um, so I don't know that we need to rehash that, but just what's your initial thoughts on the fact that the enemy is going to be back in charge of the offense in 2022. I just don't, I don't think it helps him long-term So we're going to become a head coach when I'm looking at it for his career. I mean, like, I mean, I think the problem he's had here in Kansas City, I think he's going to have here in Kansas City is like, it's never going to be seen as his. Like it's not, it's never going to be seen as it's his stamp on it. So I think that's going to be a big part of the problem for him, just from a perception perspective. And so, and, and you know, when you got a quarterback like a, a Patrick Mahomes level out there, that is a generational talent in some regards. And, you know, one of those rare quarterbacks that every team's trying to find that can help their franchise be able to go to the potential new heights or elite levels from where they were before, like Kansas city has been to where they're considered a contender every year. Like, I mean, the illusion with Doug Peterson and, and Matt Nagy was that they were at least coaching Alex Smith. So like, I mean, you know, an owner or GM's like, Hey, I can get an Alex Smith type quarterback. Like, I mean, we can make that work. And, you know, for various reasons, it didn't work out for Matt Nagy in Chicago. And for Doug Peterson, he got a Super Bowl out of it, you know, but then his assistant started leaving. And then, you know, some other assistants started leaking stuff to the media. And then, you know, over time, it just turned into something where they had to part ways there. And now he's going to go down in Jacksonville and try to put a new stamp on his time down there with uh, Trevor Lawrence. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I think part of for the enemy, I mean, the question is, if you want to be, if you don't want to be a head coach and wants to be an OC, then hey, that's fine. He, you know, hang out in Kansas City for as long as he wants. But if he's wanting to be a head coach, which I think he is, because he's interviewed 15 times by now. So I mean, there's some indication that you potentially have those aspirations. Otherwise, you'd decline the interviews. If that's the case, then at some point you got to do something different than you know the path that hasn't been working to get you a head coaching job. As Albert Einstein once said, and Sandy's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Like, I mean, that's, you know, the Chiefs may have a top five, top 10 offense. I mean, Vietnamese already won a Super Bowl. So the hottest he was going to be is right after that Super Bowl and the year after. So, I mean, if it couldn't happen then, I just don't know. I don't know what's going to change by coming back to Kansas City for him from a head coaching perspective. And had he taken a year off, they could have let him easily potentially go get a college head coaching job or be available to interview at any moment type of thing. Um I mean, so that, that could have given him, because the problem I think he's going to run into again is that um, when the next NFL cycle comes around in that late December, early January portion there, um, like, you know, depending on where the Chiefs are at, if they're in the playoffs or not, like he's going to run up against the same issues where, you know, the interviews and all that type of stuff may not 
be able to weave together in an ideal way. And that, that may cost them again for another season. So it's just, I feel like it's just kind of turning into a continuous circle for everybody involved in that regard to where if that's what he wants as a head coach, like, I just don't, I mean, if, Hey, if he wants to, you know, if he wants to get paid and get a check, I completely get that. You know, that's what we all want in a job. So it, you know, it just, I'm like, when I saw this, I'm like, okay, but I mean, I, I'm concerned. Everybody's going to be right back in the same position next year. And same questions are going to be, will he or won't he be back? And will it be one year? Will it be multi-year? And it just like, I'm, I'm personally annoyed that that question's come up two years in a row now. And I mean, you know, next year is essentially going to be year number three of that question coming up. Well, and, and look, there were <clears throat> some red flags with the offense this year. Um, you know, I mean, and it, and it's not just the the failings in the AFC championship game, right? And, and some of the, um, you know, the documented conversations that, that have happened around that, you know, with Bengals players, you know, whatever, you know, Eli Apple, guys like that. But, I mean, you think back to um, the struggles. They, I mean, they only put 13 points up you know, in a win against the Packers, you know, they're, you know, they put three points up in a loss, uh, you know, to the Titans. I mean, there were times that this offense just didn't look like the offense you've come to see led by Patrick Mahomes. And I, I think some of that comes down to systemic issues. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously Patrick had his, you know, um, you know, his, his issues, you know, the offense struggled to adjust in certain things, different things like that. And when I say Patrick's issues, the interceptions, things like that, and it wasn't always his fault, but you know, there were some times the chiefs were really grinding as an offense out there. Um, and you know, I mean, we, we've talked about it before too. I mean, it may be a situation where the, the next evolution of Patrick Mahomes requires a different voice requires someone with, uh, you know, um, a deeper understanding of the quarterback position in the NFL, things like that. Um, and, you know, I mean, Eric, Eric B is a running back by trade. He was a running backs by coach, most running backs coach, most of his career uh, before coming to Kansas city and eventually becoming the offensive coordinator. So I, if you feel that that's what Patrick Mahomes needs to take his game to the next level, um, it, it's, it's an open question. Now they still have, you know, a quarterback coach to hire too, um, since Mike Kafka left for the New York giants. And that could, uh, you know, th they could fill that with somebody, um, you know, who fills that role, fills that need on, on the coaching staff, um, you know, and Matt Nagy, who, uh, you know, obviously has deep ties to, to Andy Reid, still um, doesn't appear to have a job set for next year. Right. So, um, you know, there's some options available to the chiefs if they want to bring in some, uh, some new voices or, or, or restore some voices to that room. Um, but I mean, I think it's clear that the offense needs to evolve because the NFL has kind of caught up to what they did in 2018, 2019, 2020. And so the chiefs now need to be able to respond, you know, like Zach Grinky a month, you know, four to six weeks into a season, you know, and how he would, you know, he would be able to anticipate the changes that were coming. And then he would adapt as soon as other teams would, would, uh, you know, would make that shift. I, I think that's where the chiefs are at in terms of their evolution as, as an offense and in terms of the evolution of Andy Reed's system. So I think it's a fair question whether, um, you know, where, whether Eric Bieniemy is the right guy to, to lead that process forward. I mean, it, it's throughout the season. I mean, that's what people are going to be trying to evaluate is what, um, 
does his offense get back to what people, what they've kind of set from a standard perspective in 2018, or how do they evolve differently from what they had been? And I mean, with, you know, that's going to be, everybody's going to be going through it with a fine tooth comb this year, especially this year about kind of being more critical about it, because there's a lot of people that are still going to be upset about the Chiefs Bengals game for quite some time. And that's going to be, in some ways they're going to have to earn some of the fans trust back just from that alone, from how that game went. And, you know, I mean, that's not just one individual that's going to be collectively across the board of the entire offensive coaching staff and all offensive players that they're going to have to figure out a way to make sure that what happened in Cincinnati never happens again. And so they're going to have to do a deep dive on what they did. They're going to have to come up with some new ideas, new concepts, and that's going to be on that coaching staff. And, and the, and if it, if it doesn't happen, and then if the offense continues to sputter the way that it does, those groans are going to get louder and louder. And if it costs them potentially a playoff spot, or if it costs them in the playoffs, like, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a unique situation next year to where the expectations of what people think of them now and where they should be from a standard perspective are going to significantly catch up to them for a second year in a row, like they did after this Bengals game. And, and honestly, I don't think it's a question that can be resolved during the regular season. Um, I mean, maybe to a degree, depending on what pieces they add and, and how the offense looks, it can be. But, you know, like you said, that that loss to the Bengals when you're up 21-3 at home in, in the AFC Championship game um, is not one that people are going to soon forget. Uh, and, and it's not like, you know, to your point, w- that you had Alex Smith and then your best player, Travis Kelsey, leaves with an injury and then there's some really fluky things that happened, you know, in terms of a call by an official, you know, uh, Marcus Mariota passing a ball to himself, you know, for a touchdown, those kind of things. You didn't have that. I mean, the chiefs just collapsed in that game. And I think until the chiefs are back in that position and show um, that, that it's not going to happen again, um, you know, which I think may require them to, at the very least, go back to a Super Bowl. I I think that those old, you know, the the old doubts that have lingered for decades in in the minds of Chiefs Kingdom are, are gonna are gonna be there, because I think that there was a feeling that with Patrick Mahomes, you were gonna be immune from those kind of playoff collapses and playoff heartbreak, um, and you know, and that game showed that they're not, um, and and so it. it you know, like I said, I, I don't think that's a question you can answer necessarily during the, during the regular season. You can get some insight toward it, but I don't think you can actually answer it until the, the Chiefs are back in the playoffs. Yeah, but it, it, the along the season will give you the key little pieces to where there'll, there'll be little puzzle pieces that'll answer if they struggle here and they struggle there. And like I mean, it was a constant theme that they that first fifteen was fine throughout the year. And then there would be issues after that and adjustments were Slow to sometimes come. non-existent in the <laughs> <Right>. second half. <laughs> and like, I mean, those can't happen again this year. And you can argue that, uh, you know, well, they did make adjustments here, here and here. Well, the adjustments they made didn't match the personnel that they had, you know, like it didn't, they didn't overcome some of those things. So, I mean, that's what they collectively as an offense have to figure out. And I'm not just going to put it all in Eric bien you know, that's, that's the entire, no, 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 the entire coaching staff gets paid for. I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying if somebody's listening right now, that's not, it's collectively across the board that they're all going to have to figure that out together to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And that history doesn't repeat itself. And that there isn't that 
sloppy play at times that there was last year and that there isn't that lack of focus at times that there was this past year. Like all those little things creeped up at times in different games. And throughout the season, those would make you nervous and, and chiefs passed and they were able to overcome those in the, you know, in the Steelers game and the Steelers game, luckily they didn't have it because how bad the Steelers defense was and how bad Ben Roethlisberger was. And then the bills game, they creeped up in a lot of spots. And then the Bengals game, you know, they got it. They got out coached in the Bengals game. There's no fans or butts about it. They got out coached. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I mean, the reality is, that, as we've talked about on here before, the Chiefs can't stand par. Like they, they can't anymore because the Bengals, the Chargers, they're coming. And then so are the Bills. And the Bills are going to, the Bills are relentlessly going to be locked in on that AFC championship. The Bengals are going to be locked in the AFC championship. And if the Bengals get the offensive line to match it, like that could be some problems for them. So it'll be, uh, it'll be rather interesting this year. Yeah. So we've talked, you know, part of, the 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 puzzle pieces like you talked about that, that you're gonna see whether the Chiefs, you know, are able to to counter and adjust and evolve and improve on offense. I, I think a lot of it's gonna come down to what they do at the wide receiver position. I mean, yeah, we'll get to the offensive line conversation down the road. Um, but obviously there's a lot a lot of those pieces were put in place last offseason. Yeah, and, and if you want to go back and, and find out more about the, the defensive line situation, we talked about that last week. But let's focus on wide receivers this week because I think that's there's been a drumbeat that the Chiefs need uh, a number two or a, a number three wide receiver, depending on how you view Travis Kelsey. You know, they need that additional weapon um, that can take some pressure off of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey that can give, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes more options that, that can – kind of force the hand of defenses like, you know, and, and find somebody who um, can punish teams if they're going to um, play deep and take away, you know, try to neutralize Tyreek's speed and then, you know, double team Patrick or double team Travis Kelsey underneath the chiefs didn't have a guy who could consistently make them pay when teams chose to defend them that way last year. And so I think one of Brett Veach's focuses this offseason needs to be finding a guy who can do that. So who would it, 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 let, let's ignore the salary cap for now, okay? Who are three free agent wide receivers that you look at and say, um, I would add those guys immediately, and, and here's why they would be transformative to the Chiefs offense? Well, I mean, the, the blatantly obvious that isn't going to happen is Devontae Adams from the Packers. Yeah. I mean, that dude's going to get a franchise tagged, or if he hits the market, he's probably going to make like $24, 25000000 million a year. And depending on what the Chiefs do with an extension for Tyreek Hill, I mean, you know, that financially is going to be tough to be able to have two guys paid top top five money. Um, uh, I know, unless you just don't improve the defensive line at all. <laughs> I mean, you can improve it. It's just going to be through the draft. Um, <laughs> but, like, I mean, so that, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if that's going to be feasible. For the short or long term, plus Adams is going to be 29. But, I mean, that guy can take a routine slant and take it to the house just because how explosive he is and how dynamic he is and the vision he has in the open field and how good of a route runner he is. He can, he can catch it over the top for a touchdown. Like, I mean, that's just who Devontae is. He's a threat at all, at all levels and at all times. So defenses have to respect that. When you combine him with a player like Tyreek Hill, that really becomes a serious problem for defenses if both players are healthy. 
And I mean, the fakes that he has to create separation, like that's what makes him special. So, I mean, defenses would have to choose, hey, who are we doubling here? Because you can't double, you know, Kelsey, Hill, and uh, Adams. So that would be that one. But uh, second guy, but this is the this is the one who I got my I got my eye on, and I'm hoping the Chargers don't break my heart is Mike Williams if they franchise tag him. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But I mean, Mike Williams, like, I mean, what he could do for that Chiefs offense. I mean, he's the big, he's the big play, big body receiver that they need. Um, He's, uh, he's a little bit more vertical route wise to where he can really kind of help them out a great deal. I think in terms of some of the short routes, some of the slants and some of the crossers, I think he's fine, but I I don't know how elite he'll be in some regards, but he's a guy that could really kind of, force defenses to respect them. And also where he'd be massive is in the red zone to where they could just throw it up for jump balls so you can catch it and come down with it. Cause that's really what they lack in their offense when they're inside the 20, a lot of the time. And that's what he could do. And that's where he could really make a lot of his money and probably have a lot of touchdowns for fantasy football fans. But I mean, like, I mean, he can, he can run away from defenders, man. I mean, one-on-one he can catch it and he can run away from guys. He's got the speed and the size to do it and the heights to do it. So that's what makes him so unique and makes him such a nightmare um, for opposing defenses. And I think that would, I think Mike Williams gives the chiefs the best balance overall for what they could be. And at that point, I mean, before his ACL, I would have said Odell Beckham, you know, Odell Beckham jr. Would have been number three, just because of the explosiveness that he still has available to him before the ACL. But um since that's not the case anymore, he's going to be coming back from the second ACL tear in that knee for the second time in 16 months. I mean, you just don't, that's going to be a question mark until next January. So I, you know, I really, I don't necessarily know if there's a third guy that can be that right now that doesn't have an ACL issue between him and Michael Gallup. But if I was picking my third favorite receiver, it's going to be Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys. Like he's a, I think he'd be a really, really dynamic slot receiver for the chiefs. And I think he could give them some serious, serious ability um, in terms of speed dynamic, the way he can make explosive plays happen. I just, I think that he's a guy that, I mean, he's not, he's not scared to go over the middle. I think he would cause problems for defenses. And like, I just, those would be my, obviously those would be, Based on your question, those would be the top three. A lot of talk about a guy like Allen Robinson, who, you know, he played in the Bears system under Nagy, so presumably has some familiarity with the concepts. And yeah, he also had some, uh, also had some comments about Nagy throughout the year that, <laughs> right, there, there would have know. to be, there have to be some apologies issued potentially <laughs> if Nagy were on the Chiefs coaching staff. So <laughs> we'll see about that one. I don't know if he's thrilled to try to go back into a scheme similar to what he already ran. Yeah, and, and Chris Godwin's another name that's out there. It, I assume you're going to run into a similar situation uh, where he's going to be priced out of the market anyway, so it's probably not even realistic to to worry but, too much. But, I mean, he's coming off an ACL, so right. like you're banking that he's going to be the same player as before. So that's going to be the problem with him, Gallup, and Odell Beckham to where I don't, I don't – I would be surprised if they get their full rate, and if they do, like, I mean, go ahead and sign that. But you're, you're taking a big risk with each one of those guys right now. So another name that obviously came up last off season and, and is out there again is Juju Smith Schuster. Um, what makes you, I mean, what kind of fit do you think he'd be in the system and what makes you like Wilson as a slot option better? I mean, Juju Smith Schuster, you could use him as a two or in a slot position. And I personally wouldn't be against if they, if the chiefs brought him in, 
Um, and I think he'll hit the market and he'll, he can be here. He's got the longevity with his age to be able to be here for five years without a problem. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's not going to be the most explosive guy. I mean, he's really more of a, he can play outside, but I think he's a really good slot receiver. I mean, he's got the athletic ability and the route running to, um, to kind of stand out over the middle. I think he, I think he's able to set up corners and safeties well with his plant and his head fakes and selling the alternate routes that he's showing a slant, but he's actually running a post, you know, um, or excuse me, he's showing a quick out, but he's actually running a post. Like just kind of some of the moves he does for his double moves like uh, that. I mean, he's, he's phenomenal in that regard. And I mean, he knows how to create space. He knows how to catch the ball cleanly. So that's the number one thing that irritates me with wide receivers is how often do they catch the ball in their body? Because that's what leads to interceptions. So, like, how sloppy are you with that versus how are you willing to be aggressive and catch it away from your body and extend so that a defender can't deflect it? Because if you, you catch it in your body, a defender can deflect that a lot easier. So, he's got a physical presence over the middle, and I mean, he'll stiff arm a defender if he has the chance. So, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is another guy that I definitely feel like fits the offense. I'm not going to be upset if they go get him and sign him. I'm not going to be upset by that because they need a player like him on this offense. And the bigger thing is – somebody like Juju Smith-Schuster helps reduce a lot of Kelsey's reps over the middle, which increases his longevity. And some of the receivers you're trying to go out and get, you're trying to get those guys in free agency to, to help reduce the reps that Tyreek Hill may have sometimes, or what Travis Kelsey may have sometimes to increase their longevity in this offense. So the chiefs can have them around maybe an extra year, maybe an extra couple of years to where, you know, they don't ha- necessarily have those thousands of snaps and have to deal with the double teams all the time. And Kelsey didn't have to deal with getting hit off the line every other play. So, I mean, that's, that's what a player like Juju Smith Schuster provides for the chiefs. And that's what each receiver would provide is helping Hill and Kelsey stick around longer. Yeah, there's a lot of older guys with bigger names that are out there too, whether it's uh, T Y Hilton, AJ green, Emmanuel Sanders, Will Fuller, uh, Deshaun Jackson, you know, guys like that. Is there anybody in that group? Sammy Watkins, I think would, would be in that group. Um, you know, is there anybody in that group that you, you'd be open to bringing in or are you focused more on a guy who can be here? You'd like to see a guy who can be here more four or five years and be a, a longer term solution in that offense. Oh, I, I think you want somebody that's going to be here three to four or five years. So I'll just give my rankings now. And if you haven't read the article by the time this is out, um, then, I mean, Devontae Adams is number one. Mike Williams is number two. Odell Beckham was number three for me. Michael Gallup was number four. I have Robbins, Allen Robinson in here is five. I don't think it's going to work out. Right. Um, I know people are like, I hey, get him on a one-year $8 million deal. I'm like, dude, he was like, he didn't like the scheme in Chicago. I don't know what people think that it's just going to happen here. Um, and then, and I had those guys because I think they're all really good outside. Then I had Juju Smith-Schuster is number six. I mean, he could easily be number three in terms of impact on the offense. I'm just going by – I went by outside rankings first. Um, I think, yeah, so then I got Juju Smith-Schuster six, seven. I got Cedric Wilson. Um, I, I added Christian Kirk from the Cardinals on here, but the problem with him is that he just doesn't have strength to fight through physical coverage. And, I mean, he's more of a vertical threat than he is like a side to side. So, I mean, you're going to have to use him as a slot receiver like the Cardinals did, but like 
the slants and the crossers and that type of stuff. Like he just didn't have the same speed as if he's running a you know straight vertical route up the seams. Like it's just he's just not the same player at, at this time. So I mean, do you um, think? Do you think though that he and me and McCall Hardman Jr. Like if you paired them and you you know you move them uh, in and out, you know, use them in different ways. Do you think that the combination of those two could could essentially become a, a viable third option? I, I mean, you you were hoping McCole Hardman would be a viable third option on his own at this point. Right, and he's he's 60% of that, three-quarters of that, whatever. But if you bring in a guy like Christian Kirk, who is similar, like he's maybe not the ideal fit, but he's three-quarters of what you're looking for, and you've got two guys who are three-quarters of what you're looking for now that you can deploy, I mean, is there value in that, I guess? I mean, that is certainly unique math that you can – try to do to try to create one uh, full transformer of a receiver. Um, it's more, more of a go-bot. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, like, if you're going to do something like that, I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantlin from the Packers is that guy. I mean, he's he's a lot like McCole Hardman. I think you're getting a similar player to McCole Hardman, but you get it, you would get better production at that spot than what Demarcus Robinson brings with somebody right. like, you know, uh, about us, Scantlin doesn't mean he's going to catch the ball all the time because he has issues with drops. That's why the Packers will probably be willing to let him uh, go explore the market. Um, but I mean, he has a straight line speed and the and the vertical route ability that, like, you know, I mean that that would help teams respect his speed. But the problems he has catching the ball sometimes is why he'll be open part of those times to make those things happen. Um, which is what McCall had, you know, had defenses doing to him at times. So, you know, and, and like Scantlin, like the reason I have him so far down on my list is because he body catches, man, like go aggressively catch the ball. Like that's, that's, what's going to leave him on the market for a little bit. Like he doesn't always catch the football cleanly. And like, I mean, he'd be a mismatch against like a third or fourth corner, but like is as a number two, he's just he's not gonna be that guy. And so I just I don't know, man. I mean, I I for me personally, if Mike Williams, like I said, if Mike if Mike Williams doesn't hit the market and he gets franchise tagged by the Chargers, that takes a lot of wind out of my sail. Doesn't mean they can't work around it. It's just like what that offense could be with Mike Williams in it and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Like that's a that's a fun offense and so it'll, I personally think the chiefs need to go out and get a couple of receivers, veteran receivers. And like, I think like if they got like a Mike Williams with a Cedric Wilson or a Mike Williams with a Juju Smith Schuster, like that really gives that offense a lot of the spark that it needs in that passing game. I mean, Mike Williams is a guy though. I mean, he's probably not going to command Devonte Adams money, but, but how much do you worry that, you know, he would also hamstring other efforts in other areas because he's a guy, he's, he's not going to be cheap if he does hit the open market. Todd, I don't know about you, but I like winning son. I like seeing offense. Okay. So somebody like Mike Williams helps you win. So, I mean, look for somebody like me, I, I don't, I mean, would it have to be 17 to somewhere between the 16, 17 to 20 million a year? Probably so. That's what happens when you go to free agency. That's what you're going to have to pay. Juju Smith-Schuster, you probably won't have to pay as much as that. You're hoping to kind of keep that in the 8 to 12 range, depending on what teams come in and bid. And Cedric Wilson isn't going to cost that much either. So, you know, it shouldn't cost that much. If he's costing more than somewhere between 5 to 80 a year, then, you know, that's, that's you know, he hasn't put a lot on tape that warrants that. But, hey, you know, in the market, that's what kind of happens. So, but, 
I'm just telling you, I, I've, uh, I got a fever and the only prescription is Mike Williams. Okay. And the chiefs offense. So who were some, some like kind of down the board guys though, that let's say the chiefs strike out in some of their pursuits, you know, like happened last year um, with some of the, the free agent receivers that they were maybe targeting or rumored to be targeting. Um, if there are some more under the radar signings, whether it's, uh, you know, a DJ Chark or, um, you know, you mentioned Christian Kirk as a guy, you know, that I think um, would be interesting or, um, you know, there's, there's other guys out there, Keelan Cole, who, you know, who showed some flashes um, in Jacksonville and then he's been hurt and he was saddled with, you know, some uh, poor quarterback play in, in New York and didn't, you know, didn't necessarily get to showcase. Are there some of those type guys that, that you look at and say, he would also be a fit. The number one guy for me, honestly, is Isaiah McKenzie. I think he would be um, incredible um, in in the Chiefs' offense. If you, uh, but I don't think he's leaving Buffalo. So that's I'm, I'm not letting myself dream the Isaiah McKenzie dream. But I mean, they have Isaiah McKenzie on the roster. His name's Nicole Hardman. So you're just you're just adding another McCall Hardman to, to McCall Hardman. Well, I. I would still take Isaiah McKenzie. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you're adding another McCall Hardman, another McCall Hardman. That's, well, that's what that's going to be. And DJ Chark, I mean, I know people keep bringing him up to me on Twitter, but guess what? When I watched him, I was like, oh, hey, look, it's Chris Conley. <laughs> oh, <I'll be> dang. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you know, there's not that breakaway speed from Chark. And, I mean, he's had some injuries. And I I just didn't see an individual that, like, you know, he, he reminded me a ton of Chris Conley before some of his injuries. I mean, he'd be a possession receiver. And I mean, he could outstretch his defenders with the long arms and everything, but he lacks that breakaway speed. Um, I mean, but he can make contested catches, and I, I get it and everything. So I mean, he could help you move the chains. But I mean, I'm, I mean, you know, it's I mean, Braxton Barrows from the Jets. I mean, he would kind of be a slot receiver if you need him to be. I mean, he, he's five nine, but you know, he doesn't have top end speed. But I mean, he's got solid speed. And he'd be a good special teams performer. And then we already talked about Scantlin. And then, you know, I mean, Jameson Crowder, he's he's not as he's not he didn't have the same burst that he did coming out of Duke. I mean, the NFL's caught up to him. So it, it wouldn't necessarily be, you know, I, I it, it he wouldn't be able to give you a lot of a lot of oomph per se. And then James Washington from the Steelers is a guy that you could kind of potentially bring in, but um yeah, I mean, at that point, I you know, I think you're you're getting down to the, you're you're having to wait to see if anybody any receivers getting released at that point and see if they get added to the market before free agency begins because I mean, after those handful of guys I named off, like that's kind of where, at that point, you're like, well, um, you know, that's a free agency, <laughs> on to the draft. Yeah. No, I was gonna say it gets harder to find difference makers like we had talked about off the top that you're looking to add when you start getting down to, you know, a Jamison Crowder signing or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean it it's a piece, it's it's a, probably an upgrade over what you had, but I don't know that it's, you know, a guy who scares defenses and is and, and is a transformative signing. Yeah, it's not gonna be Devontae Adams and Mike Williams, that's for sure. Um and Probably worth pointing out the Chiefs did re-sign Josh Gordon. We'll see whether having a full year to um, get his conditioning back and and to dig into the playbook and work with coaches and better understand the offense and develop a rapport with Patrick Mahomes um, helps him become a useful piece in that offense. 
I would say, though, if you're counting on Josh Gordon being that transformative guy, I, I, I just, I don't, I, it's hard for me to be that optimistic and projecting what he can be in 2022. Yeah, I feel like most uh, Chiefs fans, uh, that ship sailed for them. I mean, there was a couple of weeks where they're hoping he'd be the difference in the offense, and that didn't work out. And, you know, the sad, the sad thing is, is like, if the Chiefs have been able to have enough cap space to get Odell Beckham, doesn't mean they didn't try, but I mean, you know, there, there wasn't enough cap space there to make the juice worth the squeeze for him. If they had, I don't, I don't think that offense had the same, would have had the same problems that it did. And uh, I think the results would have been better on the field. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, Cause I mean, the Rams, the Rams aren't winning the, the Rams aren't in or winning the Super Bowl without Odo Beckham Jr. on their roster. Right. And, and I would argue that, injured. I would argue that the chiefs probably are. I, I think Odell Beckham yeah. Jr. would have been a Super Bowl champion either way. Um, in that scenario, yeah, and the teams that were chasing him, he definitely would have been one. Right. Of, one right. of I mean, if he goes spots. to Green Bay, I think you could say the same thing. I think that might have put them over the top. Yeah. So, so it's you know, I mean, like, but I'm saying, like, I mean, I would not, I would not be upset one bit if the Chiefs do get like a Michael Gallup or or Chris Godwin or a Odell Beckham Jr. on like a prove it incentive lay steal. Like that, I wouldn't be upset about. You just you got to understand that mentally, like those guys aren't going to be who they are until late December or January, and it may take them another year on top of that to get to get back to what people know them to be. So that's why if you get one of those guys, I think it's more of a prove it type of deal to where you're investing for them down the playoff stretch versus hey, they're going to be September, October, November, December. They're going to be what what they what the team needs them to be or what fans expect from them. Well, and honestly, though, that especially based on on what we saw this year, that's that's when the rubber meets the road, and you would need those guys to shine anyway. I mean, you know, depending on the timing of when you bring somebody in, and depending on what the guy can handle, um, you know, it's notoriously hard for receivers to pick up the verbiage and and grasp some of the concepts in, in Andy Reid's offense. Um, so I would expect anybody they sign, you know, to potentially get off to a bit of a slow start and need to build into it much like, you know, say the 2019 defense needed to get out there and get its feet wet and learn how to run Steve Spagnuolo's system before they were able to hit their hit, you know, hit, hit their stride, um, you know, from mid November on, um, you know, that, that very well may be the case with anybody they sign at the receiver position as well. Yeah, and then we'll keep. I mean, you keep an eye on some of the guys that may end up getting released at the wide receiver position because I know there's been, I know I've heard some speculation on Robbie Anderson, Amari Cooper. There's been some speculation about him potentially getting released. I know Jarvis Landry might get released, and so I mean, there's some other guys out there in the league that may end up getting released that you know, you know, you'll have to wait and see what ends up happening in that regard and kind of evaluate if they can kind of help this offense. So I don't. I don't think the guys we went over in this podcast or by the time free agency hits in a couple of weeks, I don't know if that's the, you know, there might be some more guys on the list at that point who can add some value to the chiefs. But all I know is I'm, I'm, I've got my calendar marked for March 8th at 3 PM CT when the franchise tag is officially got to be completely set. And if Mike Williams is on that list, I'm going to be a very sad individual. <laughs> so that's uh, less than two weeks away, man. Uh, I hope the Wendy's in your neighborhood is ready. 
Well, you've already been hurtful by telling me that I need to be sad that day. May have to take a PTO day. That's how sad I'll be. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I just want I just be prepared. That's all I'm saying. I, I got to take a PTW personal time at Wendy's for the rest of the day. <laughs> I'm gonna be off for five hours. <laughs> uh, just remember, just remember our rules for the drive-through. Um, so, uh, for I, people that for people that don't know, it's something Todd shouldn't have said. <laughs> About, I didn't say it. I no. just decorum, sir. Decorum. <laughs> okay. Um, I think look, I think um depending on how the draft and and, and for people that are wondering still, <laughs> I just want you to be aware Todd is not referencing anything that I've done in a drive through before, but he is mentioning other people that have had issues <laughs> in drive throughs. There 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 have been incidents that drive through decorum is not um respected nationwide. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> I'm really proud of the strength you're showing right now so that I don't have to edit this out. <laughs> um, I, I do think um, the 30th pick in the draft, people always want to know, oh, who's going to be the first round pick? Um, yeah. No, don't look, worry. I've, I've gotten that question a lot at work. Well, it, here, here's the other. Here's th- There's two realities about, about picking where the Chiefs are and presumably will be picking in the draft for the foreseeable future. Um, one, if you look at their draft history, I mean, the, the most impactful players they got this year were, were two seconds and a six. So focusing just on the first round pick, I think um, ignores the reality of where good GMs um, really earn their paycheck. And, and that is not necessarily the first round. I think it's easy to pick out or much easier to pick out the top 30 guys in the draft, right? I think it's much harder to find a luxurious need in the fourth round who projects into your system um, you know, and, and, and maybe even requires a position change, but then can become an impactful player that you get later in the draft. So I think the focus on first round picks is sometimes misguided. The other thing is without knowing what happens in the 29 picks before you, it's almost impossible to accurately forecast, like who's going to be on the board. I mean, I've seen like, there's a, there's a Arkansas wide receiver. Traylon Burks is a perfect example. He, he's a guy that I think, you know, he, you're talking about a big body guy with the ability to, to make yards after the catch, stuff like that, who I think would be a perfect fit for the chiefs. I think he's, you know, he's, he would be great. And I've seen some people who think that he may slide all the way to 30. I also see some mock drafts where he's taken as soon as 13. All it takes is one GM to believe that he's the guy that they need. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the board falls, um, you know, in different ways. And so it's almost impossible to say, Oh, you know, the, the chiefs should just wait for the, you know, they can wait for the draft and address defensive end or offensive tackle or wide receiver in the draft. Cause it's a crap shoot. You just don't really know who's going to be there. Um, and, and, it, and, and what you're, you know, whether it's going to be a guy that you, that you like that can actually be transformative. I mean, look, it's easy. If Aiden Hutchinson falls all the way down to 30. Yeah. You've got to need defensive end. You're taking him. Now there's no way Aiden Hutchinson's there. Hey, dude, that's what people said about Laramie Tunzel and stuff got posted about him. So I'm saying you just never know, man. Fair point. Fair point. Never know, man. Um, but you know, I mean, that's I I think the Chiefs are gonna have to address some of these issues before the draft. And look, if you can then find a guy that that supplements that position and he he's the top player on your board available at number 30, um, go ahead and take him. Um, but uh, you know, it's just it, it to me, it's hard when you're sitting at 30 to to bank on that. It's much easier if you're at number eight, say, because you know, you you know, you, there, 
you know that there are going to be three guys in your top on, on the top 10 in your board, maybe more depending on how the rest of the board falls that are going to be there. You can't say that any of your guys in your top 15 or top 20, and that's usually how many guys are in an NFL draft that can truly be massive impact players in a first year. Um, you just can't project whether those, any of those guys are going to be there at 30. So. All right, Todd, what's this going to do with Wendy's? <laughs> well, I mean, like my number one pick at Wendy's is usually spicy chicken. So, you know, I mean, you just got to hope in March 8th, they're not like, uh, you know, there's not a, a supply chain crisis that affects the spicy chicken supply, man. Uh, well, Todd, I feel like we've exhausted all we can on this podcast at this point. Probably, probably. What would you like to talk about next week, Todd, so we can preview for people? Well, I, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a combine going on, so I think we'll probably have to discuss that to some degree. And then we will help finish up the rest of the series on free agents that could fit the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, more weeks of it. you want to talk quarterback or what position were you thinking? De- definitely not talking quarterback. <laughs> definitely don't have to worry about that one. Um, well, I think we can... Talk, you want to talk running backs and cornerbacks? I was going to say, I think the secondary probably there's some questions. I feel like there's some questions there. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. There's going to be some options <laughs> to look at. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, I got nothing else. Um, I hope that this podcast isn't going to make you go through a Wendy's before you head into work today. Actually, my, I don't know. So. <laughs> oh, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I really want a burger. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So as we're sitting here, um, you Look, know, I'm uh, thinking about Wendy's. I mean, let's right. be honest. You put that in my head. Now that's right. what I'm you're worried about. about a spicy chicken. Meanwhile, um, actually, you know what? I like to do the Dave's double and spicy right. chicken. Right. I don't try to do them at the same time because I'm trying to, you know, lose some, lose some weight, but um, I'll do one or the other, but Really weird thing about me right now before we move further to something that just broke news wise. Um, I for some reason, dude, there's I don't like fries as much as I used to. Like, I mean, I prefer the crispy crown, you know, tater tots. Like, I, I just don't like that. Uh, fast food restaurants don't have like tater tots. Uh, I mean, I think, I think, I think Sonic is well known for their tater tots. Yeah, no, that's why that's half the reason I go there. <laughs> so is that, and I mean, you know, Chick-fil-A has them for breakfast, but why don't you, why don't you have them all the time? Make it, make a day of the thing. I would show up there and I want the waffle fries. I want the crispy crowns. You know, you know, whose thoughts I want on their favorite fast food potato is Matt Nagy because, um, it's relevant now because he will be back in Kansas city as a senior offensive assistant coach and also quarterbacks coach. So I just want to know if Alan Robinson sent him an apology for some of the comments. <laughs> right. Well, apparently they didn't talk for five months. So he's probably like, Hey, you, Hey, if you're wondering whether Alan Robinson is coming to Kansas city, um, well, Matt Nagy's here. So I don't, you know, um, read into that what you'd like, but, um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, obviously he's a guy who had success as an offensive coordinator under under Andy Reed knows the system. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, um, look, I, he only had one losing season up in Chicago, I think, you know, with Mitch Trubisky and, you know, and a rookie Justin Fields, obviously this year and, and the, you know, revolving door that they've had at quarterback. But um, you, do you feel like this, this move, can help that offense. 
Yeah, it, it can because, I mean, part of it is like Mahomes was with him his rookie year with Matt Nagy in the quarterback's room. So he's they've dealt with each other and, and been around each other. It'll be a different dynamic in terms of the fact that like, you know, hey, since last time I, uh, I was one of your coaches, you've gone on to win a Super Bowl and an MVP of the NFL. And, you know, you've had a lot of success here. So that that aspect of it, that'll be uh, somewhat interesting. Like kind of them kind of, you know, renewing their uh their partnership in terms of like you know coach and player and that and that part and how they work together on that end so and i mean matt nagy is a guy that probably from attention to detail you know you're hoping can help him mechanically be able to get up to where he wants or needs to be um as a player and kind of help him work on his pocket presence in some regard and you know i mean that's that's you know it's kind of he's going to be that guy that you know Mahomes works with that's going to um you know that's going to going to be the individual that can kind of help him be kind of be eyes and ears for Mahomes and kind of you know kind of guide him through some stuff and passing game so I mean I think he'll be a good mentor for him and I didn't I, I figured once there the enemy thing was resolved in whatever way it was going to be I figured Nagy wouldn't be too far behind in terms of announcing what role he would have in the organization. Cause I'd heard about him potentially coming back for a couple of weeks in some capacity. So it, uh, it makes sense. I mean, he knows the scheme. He's been out on his own a little bit. He may have some new concepts that he's able to bring into the organization, which is what you want. But I mean, he gives a fresh set of eyes away from the team. So, I mean, that is going to help in that regard. And look, he's a guy who obviously has Andy Reid's trust, um, having been on the staff before um, and, and now coming back. So I think, um, I, I, look, I think it's a welcome addition if you're uh, if you're uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Um, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I mean, obviously he's worked with Bienemy before too, because Bienemy was the running backs coach uh, under Nagy. Um, you know, when he was the offensive coordinator, um, you know, in 2016 and 2017. So, um, you know, they've, they've all worked together before, uh, but like you said, I mean, he's, um, he's a guy who's, who's battle tested now in a different way. Um, and so, um, I think that, um, I think he does bring a, a new perspective, even if it is still going to be filtered through the lens of, of Andy Reed's system. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not upset about Patrick Holmes getting a quarterback's coach that has been a previous head coach OC and has been an Andy Reed system before. I mean, that's not, it's not going to hurt that he understands the verbiage and how to go about things. So it'll be, uh, it's not, it's not a terrible, you know, <laughs> it's definitely not a terrible hire. Yeah. And I mean, most of his playing experience was in the, you know, um, the arena league, right. Um, he did, you know, he was it briefly with Andy in Philadelphia. Um, but you know, he's a guy who has played the position, um, you know, and has had success, um, you know, mentoring quarterbacks. Um, you know, I mean, look, he, he was, he was originally brought on to Andy Reed staff as the quarterbacks coach for Alex Smith, those first three years, and then promoted to offensive coordinator. And we know, the way that Alex blossomed and um, whether people realize respect that understand it or not. I mean, Alex transformed the way he played the position after coming to Kansas city in terms of, uh, you know, depth of target and things like that. Um, so he has shown the ability to develop quarterbacks even later in their career in the past. So it's reasonable to expect that, 
that he can help out or he can help Patrick Mahomes in that quest as well. I just, like I said, I just want to know if Alan Robinson's like sending him a congratulation text and trying to smooth things over. So he may have another landing spot in free agency. So, um, well, I guess we'll see. So, uh, anyway, um, I, I hope that, that that helped end the podcast on a positive note for you. And, and after spending the last hour with me, you don't feel the need to go through Wendy's before I end to work. Wait, it's been an hour. Uh, yeah, at least. Oh, at oh. least. Nightmares. Okay. <laughs> Don't know that, I'm does that mean that. Wendy's isn't your future? <laughs> yeah, it's still going to be either way. <laughs> so I bid you adieu. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Take care, kids. <laughs>